I need yes. to show you the cover of Prague three of Prague three oh two. Okay. All right, hold on. Let me find a good right. one here. I am in a chat. All right. With so look you. Look at friend, this. Conrad. Oh. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's real fucked up. <laughs> that's the twist. That's the twist. <laughs> ben thought he's a robot, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Why is he a robot? <laughs> Why is he a robot? That's so weird. He's an android. That's right. All right. And yeah, we'll like, <laughs> deal with that. I got that's like a fucked up cover. You got to think oh. about it, buddy. Yeah, we'll we'll find out in episode 93. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 93rd episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, oh no. no. Yep, uh, uh, that's right, a podcast where two, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for, for January and February 1983, progs 301 to 3.04. It's a whole four procs. Yeah, we're doing the prog, the four proc thing, man. It's good. Oh, that's um, right. We announced a thing that I completely yeah. forgot about. Yeah, listen. Yeah, we're doing four progs at a time. So screw you. It means we're going to, you know, branch over some months. Just, everyone's just going to deal with it. Um, so We're not going to be <laughs> sad about, like, a sudden five prog month. Well, like, I mean. Oh, my God. I mean, it's we will. too much. We will, but only once this year as opposed to, like, five times. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate your concern for my personal well-being. Hey, it's mine too. Anyhow, this week Judge Dredd fights the. Le- oh my gosh, did I open the wrong thing? No. Okay, I hope not. <laughs> Keep it in, Conrad. Let Let's go back here. I just didn't do the opening thing. But this week, Judge Dredd heads to Shanty Town. Uh, Robo Hunter assassinates Iron Aggie, and Harry Twenty uh, makes landfall. Ooh, what a twist! <laughs> oh yeah. Real gross. Yeah. Gross twist. <laughs> if you want to read along with us, uh, you'll find the comics we're covering today again in the Drudge Dread Complete Case File 6, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 1, Robo Hunter the Droid Files 2, and the Harry 20 graphic novel. Uh, none of the Time Twisters or the Tharg story are collected in any imprint volume, so I think you can find them in other things, but I don't want to say, like, hey, go... Instead of this one collectible prog, looking for some other collectible thing, you know? <laughs> Anyhow. You're not missing much with uh, with our comics anyways. You know, let's we'll, we'll get to it soon. But first we got to talk about some other insane leader with Through One Robo Hunter. We're, we're back with a, a burning cross child. Eve. Yeah, kid, kid, kid. So, uh, yeah, so Sam Slate's trying to infiltrate the Human League in the middle of National Song Year in Britsit. Uh, he wants to talk to the head of the league, but uh, their representative, Kid, the uh, time warped young space pilot <laughs> and Burning Cross uh, wielding leader of the of of this cell of the Human League, demand a show of loyalty. Sam must assassinate Iron Aggie, the Prime Droid herself. 
Oh man, this is I like I I continually get impressed with how kids just like oh man, I'm gonna throw this robot related murder <laughs> at you, and all I'm thinking is like you know he just that was like his just profession. Was yeah, killing robots. robots. Yeah, but this one's not not like a rogue, like on the run robot. It's like a, uh, it's like a, you know, got bodyguards and all that stuff. Right. But any, yeah. So these these stipulations were in place when he was being hired as that thing. Now he's just a guy who's real good at killing robots, who's posing as a guy who doesn't kill robots. It's true. Uh, I don't know. Yo, it's a whole thing. Um, but so yeah, um, the human league's pretty stoked about Sam's chances, which they say uh, to the tune of "Bye Bye Black." bird you know mm. who will never shirk the task what's his name you have to ask sam sam sammy he's <laughs> gonna kill a prime minister yeah luckily sam is of course actually working for iron aggie so the pair of them work out with sir oswald mandroid to fake her death but, oh man, like anybody with a mustache, I guess he's probably not a good guy. Especially with the mustache and a face based again on an early 20th century fascist leader. <laughs> I mean, and, and like with early warning signs from the now computationally aware hoagie, mm, he sets yeah. out to, I guess, just do exactly a murder. Yes. Uh, Hoagie begs Sam not to go and kill Iron Aggie. He does this to the tune of uh, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, a.k.a. the Dance of the Hours for smart people. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. Yeah, but this Here one... I am in Camp Granada. This one doesn't really match up with... Um, mm-hmm. Or to me, I don't feel like it matches up to the actual song until until you, you get to the end part and it's like... Uh, Four, two, one, you'll blow yourself up. Five, two, two, you'll blow someone else up. Even <laughs> money that you'll fail and spend the rest of your life in jail. <laughs> But Sam won't I listen. Mean, a lot of are a stress. <laughs> it's true. A stretch. Yeah, whatever. So a big public address, big public address. Iron Aggie congratulates the Brit sits to the tune of Land and Hope and Glory. Um, as Sam Slade inches closer and then activates a device which blows Aggie up. Oh man, I really hope it's that one double that everyone said would be here. Oh wait, here's all the police. <laughs> yeah, Sam goes to run, but gets snagged by the RoboCops. He's tossed in a dungeon where, as he's in chains, he at last meets the leader of the Human League. It's Oswald Bodroid! The, as we mentioned, obviously evil second-in-command of Iron Aggie. <laughs> I, it's just like... What a twist. It's the bad guy. Yeah. So, he again, you know, um, he had Sam kill the real Iron Aggie. Now he's using it as an excuse to arrest every human Brit sit and put them in concentration camps. Your classic kind of false flag situation. Um, oh, man. Uh, evil government. Let's overthrow him. Yeah, Sam uh, laments his state again to his to the previous song he sang, The Wanderer. Um, and But now it's kind of a sad version. He calls himself a dummy. <laughs> and you know stogie gets in there too with some really it's just like as the usual cheerleader he's like oh you're real dumb yeah well that's what happens next one next prog at the uh at the state funeral for iron aggie which is complete with sam in a wheeled cage being br- uh, wheeled up along at the end of oh, the funeral right. procession that's people right. are like people are giant a giant coffin 
And he's in the back with just a giant label that says killer on a wheeled Ex- stage of bars. Exactly. Everybody's throwing tomatoes at him and Stoke. He's like, we don't need no stinking tomatoes. Um, and he also kind of recaps the whole situation to the tune of the house, of the rising sun, like, <laughs> which by the way, if we ever recap a prog within the first two or three pages, I would prefer it done in song. Yeah, you know, it's a, there is a man called Senor Slade, a genius with a gun, but when it comes to intelligence, Columba, he got none. (laughs) So, (laughs) Madroid uh, sweeps himself into power, and he has all the loyal humans at the funeral uh, get into hovered trucks for their own safety from Human League attacks, but then the doors slam shut, and it turns out they're Human League terrorists and are taken away along with Sam! Oh my god, I guess we've been duped mm-hmm. things looking bad for humans and britsit um we cut to a britsit family watching tv and agreeing with madroy's anti-human league stance until a bunch of robocops burst in and arrest them all as human league members and everybody else on their block basically um, oh man fascism it's and racist i guess like kind of racism it's a thing look at us I mean, We're it's anti-government. It's anti-humanism, and they're definitely just rounding up all the humans and putting them into camps, which is not great. <laughs> no, Madroid uses definitely a human. The both of us, yeah, we do not agree or condone this, right? I mean, even as a robot, I'd like to think that I'd be against the uh, mass incarceration of humans just for being humans. Um, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so, because, because <laughs> Mod... Shut up. Because Modroid is um, the leader of the Human League, he's able to he's able to just give the cops basically the, the addresses of all the Human League meeting places. Um, and the cops just kind of like, are like, wow, this is great. You good info, boss. This out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, kid leads his uh, leads uh, prepares his guys for their finest hour, but they're just quickly snapped up by the cops and taken away. You um, know, for a, for a very brief moment, I was excited before I turned the page on this because I was like, "Oh man, like they're going to turn kid this character that we've hated forever." Just redeem uh, him? No way. Yeah, into, like, this guy who saves everyone. It's like, yeah, no, he just gets caught because they're... No, nah, man. No, listen, Kid's still bad, man, because even if he's now fighting against this oppressive robot, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, this oppressive robot came into power on the back of manipulating these anti-robot racists, you know? like Which she was kind of also doing. But he definitely was, man. Well... <laughs> Anyhow, all the humans are carried off to a concentration camp to the tune of the song Summer Holiday. Um, It's Summer holidays is really like like fun, like oh, go on a summer holiday for a week or two, like like bright sunny songs. So it's real weird to see it be about robots talking about sending humans to concentrate, literally saying like this is a concentration camp, this is the final solution for the human problem, like all this crazy stuff. Really on the nose. It's real, real heavy. Um, but yeah, everyone laments their fate to the tune of "I do like to be beside the seaside." Oh, we don't like to be beside the seaside. No, we don't like this concentration camp. It's a dirty, smelly place. The huts are a disgrace. And the sea, and the sea air makes them damp. Um, everyone's bummed. (laughs) 
But there's also a new guard here in town. It's that dang smart hoagie. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you for the biggest surprise twist that could have ever happened in this entire comic book. Hoagie ne- might actually be useful. <laughs> Next time, the ugly bugs bro the ugly bugs ball. <laughs> no. Oh man, fun songs, ridiculous plot twists. This is a fun Robo Hunter story. <laughs> I, you know, I I will tell you. It's it's getting uh, real easy to read through these. Uh, they kind of they're kind of uh, you know back when we we first started, I uh, I really gave high praise to Invasion for being like this super easy like starter mm-hmm. appetizer to get into the rest of the comic. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, Robo Hunter really fits that like bill yeah it's a good kind of jump in and you're like chuckling and you're having a good time but it's also a bit of sci-fi and a bit of apparent uh racism i mean you know yeah but yeah i kind of i agree that just robo hunters real a real light and breezy it's a good uh it's a good oh it's a good first first thrill for sure Mm. and speaking of a good second thrill fox oh man thrill to harry 20 on the high rock Oh, Harry 20, I just want to, like, kiss you and cuddle you and make you my best friend and, and have a good time with you. And we're going to go out and see a movie. It's probably going to be a, a prison break movie. We're going to have flashbacks. Oh, no. We have some script about Jerry Finley Day, art about Alan Davis, letting robot Tony Jacob. So... Harry, Genghis, and Ben, numbers no more, have landed their capsule in the sea. Um, they're just kind of. Hey, dr- we're next Oceana, and that's pretty good because that's like the last free territory on Earth, apparently. Yeah, very 1984 kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, they're, they're mm-hmm. drifting around. Ben is fishing, and Genghis is making a harpoon. Um, and they figure they'll be carried to Fiji in a couple days, so it's just time to chill. Hey, why not? Let's catch yeah. some fish and eat up, but yeah. oh god, it's a squark. Yeah, Ben gets a bite, it's a squark, or as I might say, a sharktopus. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a... Yeah. It's so a shark it deal. Six legs and uh, and a tentacle. What does that make it? Well, I mean, it's got yeah, it's, it's got eight tentacles, right? Because it's got six on the back and then two where it's like side fin, where it's it's a side fin should be. Um mm. So I think it still adds up to eight, but uh, basically it's Acceptable. a sh- it's a shark octopus hy- hybrid, man. Um, the guys managed to fight it off and then fashion sails out of their parachutes. Ben sings a sailing song as Harry has triumphant dreams. Ninety four hours oh, of good. just like lording over the bad guys, pointing his finger and being like, "I'm so better than you." This That's right. A good dream. <laughs> Ninety four hours after splashdown, Genghis spots smoke on the horizon, and the crew sails over to it, hitting the beach. Hey, they- why not? And let's go inland because pirate story. Yeah, they start fashioning camouflage and ditch their weapons. Henry and Genghis explore the island and they find a Black Maria, a mutated pearl worth thousands of books. Just like, just explanation not needed. By just the way, mutant this pearl, buddy. comes into importance uh, kind of later, yeah. but they don't really explain its use until whatever they say it's worth a lot of money but yeah. there were other things about it that i was just like oh yeah don't worry about it too much super sharp yeah yeah it's a they 
Yeah, they find a village and it's been burned to the ground. But who could have but done it? Who? It's oh, the slugs. <laughs> because I, how can you have Earth-based jurisdiction as space jurisdiction uh, jailers that you just burn? There must be some kind of international in indigenous in, population. Yeah, there must be some kind of like international treaty kind of thing. Um, Why not just burn the trees and not like a village? <laughs> Because they gotta be evil, man. But yes, yeah, so the village's been burned to the ground weird. by the guards from the High Rock. Henry and Genghis run. They get back to the beach and they meet Ben, who tells them that this whole plan has been doomed from the start and reveals himself to be a fake-faced android! Hee oh, <laughs> What a twist! <laughs> it's, uh... The creepiest twist. His eyeballs are real weird, and they, I feel like he's just got real human teeth and not yeah. just fake human teeth. Like with the uh, like with the rad beast, this robot's teeth are really messing me up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't like weird teeth inside yeah. of things that shouldn't have weird teeth. Totally. I got to show you this one thing from, from my dentist office. But uh, so oh, Ben, so what the fuck, man, no. So Ben ninety Fox is and has always been an android under the de- the direct control of of world of warden worldwise whoa cool. and by that i mean uh totally deceptive and not uh cool i guess he's just been like Humans remote control on your side he's just been re- remote controlling a robot since this base since this star prison was created just on the off chance that there was a really good criminal that he wanted to like mess with i guess i <laughs> hope that's what his eye patch does yeah it controls his weird robot legions yeah, apparently, yeah, so now, like, Ben 90 can't come back and, like, re-enter Gen Pop or anything like that. You know, it's just a burned asset, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of literally burning, along with Genghis 18, Ben 90 is flamethrower to death! Which is not super cool, but also, like, Genghis is burned to death and he's like, F you... And throws a fucking harpoon in in uh, what's his face? Uh, Pusser, the uh, the yeah, the guard yeah. that's been a real jerk to him this whole time. So he He's takes him with him. Racism. It's just so totally fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so Harry. So, but the guards manage to collect Harry and they get him in a shuttle and take him back up to space. Um, they shoot oh, him in the eyes with a blinding laser. It's good, as far as I can tell. Uh, they take him back to, yeah, so as, as, as they're flying in, he sees that Route 66 and 77 Sunset have both been spaced. They're just oh, hanging out there. Great. Yeah, yeah, in the, in, uh, floating outside the, uh, station. Harry's, Harry is taken to a zero, a dark zero gravity sh- sh- uh, cell at the bottom of the prison where waits a pissed off big red one! Oh man, it's that guy who didn't like you before, but a surprise twist that no one will be surprised by. Now you have a common enemy. Yeah. Also, this cell has some cool graffiti on it, including a uh, 21st century worst ever. Strong agree. <laughs> so fair. Harry twenty, the big red one, fighting zero gravity. When suddenly a video message from Warden Worldwide appears. Um, it turns out that Harry and Red will both be spaced at dawn, so Harry makes an appeal to Red that, like, they should be fighting worldwide and not each other. And, hey, you know what? As much as this guy is a weird, probably crazy sex murderer, he's like, you know what, man? You're right. Let's hey. work together. 
Just because you're, you know, just because he's a crazy uh, sex murderer doesn't make him a uh, a dumb uh, uh, crazy step <laughs> sex murderer, buddy. Um. That's pretty fair. <laughs> I'm just saying you don't know why these people are in prison. It's true. Um, so Harry has a plan, of course, that Black Maria is going to help him. The next morning, Red and Harry are fitted with death hoods, and they're taken out to the shuttle bay. But Harry slices open the hood with the Maria, then throws it at the guards to distract them. As he, he does so, he snags a blaster, and a desperate firefight breaks out. Soon, hey, Conrad? Yeah. What's a death hood? I don't know. Um... <laughs> It seems like a hood that makes you unable to see or talk, really. Um, you can't speak. They've got the little fucking Okay, like, yeah, that's, mouth that's part, true. Right? Okay, it definitely means you can't see. I get the feeling like it might have some conductive pr- properties because a uh, guard thrower says, like, I'll hit it with my shock baton. So maybe it's like if you hit somebody when they're wearing the hood, it, like, puts the electricity through them. Yeah. But mostly it's just sort of a thing that's there for Harry to use the Maria to cut through and be all cool, pretty much. <laughs> and um, then throw it on the ground and everyone would be like, oh, man. A couple thousand bucks. Yeah. Soon Worldwise checks his external video cameras and sees all the guards, including Chief Guard Thrower, floating outside the ship, or the uh, the prison, I should say, as Harry and Red head to the prison armory and send a message to all the inmates. The numbers are taking over! Hey, man, we're the inmates are taking over the prison. You guys got... This is, by the way, also a super bad idea. In, a, in the superest of supermax prisons, you have given all the murderous weaponry. I mean, you gotta have those weapons, I guess. But so, uh, before he's cut off, Harry's call to the other numbers is heard, and a huge riot breaks out, despite the best efforts of, slu- of the slugs and tactical gear and stuff like that. By the time all the, heady, all the heavy hitters show up, Harry and Red are close behind and blow those guys away from behind, from, from the back. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Yeah, the numbers have taken over the the armory. So, Worldwise orders the guards to uh, keep the numbers in the cells, like guarding the top of the rock, basically. But they and the guards have found twenty one Toady, who's been skulking in the warden's office. He might be useful. Um, so pin pinned down by heavy fire, the uh, the numbers don spacesuits and try to skip around the slugs' fortified position from outside Including the prison. Shirt bones, absolutely. Um, but once again, they come under heavy fire from the station's uh, orbital guns. Yeah, so uh, the red shirt gets blasted, and now the barrel points at Harry Twenty with Twenty One Toady at the controls. Oh, God, it's that guy who's going to shoot me at point blank. Next time, the worm turns. Oh, man, that's not a, that's not a dead giveaway about what's going to happen next. Oh, man, we're right. This is, this is the exciting climax of Harry 20. What do you think, Fox? The crazy twist, right? It's the guy was a robot. He was a robot the whole time. I'm pretty all right with that. I I mean, I don't feel like Harry and the High Rock has changed in my expectations and the fun factor, right? Like, hey, why not? Like, here are things that I'm glad Harry and the High Rock's twist wasn't. Uh, A, a simulation in which none of it was real and it was him just trying to escape where the same thing ended up (laughs) happening, right, as a result. Uh, B, everyone was a robot. 
see uh, he was, you know, hallucinogenically fucking injected with a thing because they were like, we knew you were a whatever, right? Like, there's so many cop-out ways that this could have been, and instead the freaky weird old guy was just a freaky weird machine. I'm all right with that. And That's they burned fair. a village, and then they took him back up, and all these people were all fucked up, and now he's doing a prison riot, like... Oh, yeah. man. Like I said, all the fat is removed. It's none of this, like, I've got to stage a prison riot next time. Prison riot. You know, yeah. and then it's all staging more for the prison riot, and then eventually the prison riot happens. It's just like, boom, 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 man. We, we caught a weird shark in the same yep. episode in which a man... Uh, or which a, a bunch of people burned a village and a man was an android. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, we're we're burning to the conclusion of this thing. Uh, we'll finish Harry 20 up next month. It's going to be real awesome. I wish that there were a thousand Harry 20s in this comic. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll find some more. We'll find some more things that are fun, bro. Don't worry. I'm just saying this is a gem. This is a real yeah. gem so far. It's a real Black no, Maria of stories. Okay. I, I stole it from you. I'm sorry. You can God say it if you me. want. No. No, it's fine. I, was, I wasn't even going to... Oh, no. This is the joke that breaks up Space Spinner. Oh, no. Oh, God. Is this, is this the last Space Spinner? Is, is uh, jokes replacing, replacing joke? Whoa. Okay. Jumping around. Anyhow. God damn it. But speaking of uh, highly organized criminals, or actually maybe not that highly organized criminals. Oh, God. No, they're just going to run the fuck out of town. It's Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, man. You know what's not a good idea? Probably organ legging. It's true, yeah. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is TV Grover. Art robot Ron Smith. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, <laughs> Man, it's time to take down these lawbreakers in the giant shanty town outside of Mega City One Fox. With um, basically a clean bill of health to do whatever the fuck I want. So I guess let's just start gassing them with grenades. And absolutely. Like shooting MFs. Yeah. Dredd and, the, Dredd and his team of judges quickly take down the organ legger base and they, and, and they decide to use it as their HQ for Operation Shantytown. Um, oh, <laughs> by the way, I, I just want to say my favorite picture of this entire stretch of Shantytown Right is mm -hmm. um, it's in part two, which we're on right now, Prague 301, where uh, Judge Dredd is walking away from a situation with a box that just says heart on the box. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not my favorite, but I'll talk about mine when we get to it. Um, awesome. So instead of arresting or killing all these perps, they're basically just sort of kicking them out, just like, hey, like the next settlement's 500 miles that way through the cursed earth. Get to walking. Um, See ya. And they're like, oh man, but we're going to death die because there's all this stuff out there. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're it's not my problem. Watch out for rat swarms. <laughs> oh god, flying. Rat yeah. Swarms. <laughs> yeah. But so I love this that this part as a bunch of judges, including uh everyone's favorite judge Hershey. Hershey. Yeah. They Hershey's just in here and she's like hit the trail, MF. Yeah, it's just a, a montage of them like rolling around the shantytown grabbing people and kicking them out to the trail, basically. It's pretty awesome. Um even like guys hiding underground with the periscope. Like they just the periscope just Turns oh, like Judge Dredd with his finger, being like, "Come on up, <laughs> come on, get out of here. We're gonna, we're gonna make you walk a real long time into yeah. these rat swarms." Meanwhile, uh, Judge Ox, who is also from the Apocalypse Squad, stands guard, discouraging people from returning to Mega City One. <laughs> I guess just that means shooting or brandishing. 
Yeah, it's going pretty good, uh, but now it's time to deal with the real tough guys. Like all, the, they picked up all the easy meat. Basically, we see a judge with a mustache being tricked into an ambush by these crazy Super Ron Smith-looking guys. Uh, Mad Mox and his pal Girth. He goes I, Girth being my clear favorite. <laughs> totally. Uh, he goes to arrest them, but then they have like a little person buddy who like hits him with like a fish a fishing pole from behind and chokes him to death, basically. Impressive um, for a stuttering, weird, tiny person. It's true. So Gludge de- Judge Glennon is dead, and the retaliation against the judges has begun. Uh Mad Mox has whipped up a huge mob of people. And they're backed up by Juve Dean and the Y Shanty, which mm. seems to be some sort of James Dean reference that I'm not quite familiar with, I guess. Nope. Don't get it. Nope. Um, so they take down Judge Salvador, who was watching them, and Dredd and Hershey head back to their base to prepare for a siege. Has no one learned that you just, like, don't just fucking kill judges? I feel like until they, most of the time, it's a killing judges works pretty well until you bump into Judge Dredd, you know? <laughs> that's, I guess that's pretty fair. I can't, yeah. No, no, I mean, no, it often goes bad, but I mean, whatever, you know, these, if these guys were smart, then they'd be making money freaking like buying on, buying months or something, or just wearing cool knee pads instead of being criminals and stuff. Um, or just living off a of free food supply. Like, I don't, Get it. I mean, there's less of that in this post-apocalypse war world, but it's a fair point. Um, the shanty towners rig up a radio jammer to prevent Mega City One reinforcements, um, and Dread sends his judges to secure their base, which is a wrecked uh, Sov Strato V as the mob attacks. But some real bad shit happens because I guess they just have like a. A fucking what are what are those things called? Like the shooty. Super yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, the the judges' weapons are good, but they're overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of the mob, and then things mm. get real bad because Mad Mox has a stub gun. That's right, stub gun. Which, just to provide context for those jumping in now, and if you don't remember, I I love that this came back up. Stub guns have a particular issue, Conrad. Yeah, I know they were the experimental weapon. Definitely, yeah. They they were the super weapon of the apocalypse war. They allowed Dread and the judges to, like, shoot down, solve uh, planes and do, and, like, destroy roadways and stuff. But they do have a habit of overheating. As we quickly learn, uh, even though it it does, Mox does manage to kill one judge and blow the arm off of Judge Ox. The stub gun does eventually overheat and blow up Mox and a bunch of other dudes. And by blow up, he means like really super explode and a yeah. lot of people end up dying. Yeah, giant Nova explosion. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, the judges fall back to a central location. There's only a few of them left and they're prepared to make a move. The mob sends oh, a wall of hostages to screen themselves. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so there's this wall of hostages, right? And then they're all like, let's let's check this out real quick. So they take out some binoculars. And okay, all of these hostages have guns. Okay. So they're like, all right, let's shoot these these guys, right? Like, okay. Yep. So now they're all dead. But then the second coming of one of my favorite characters of all of 2008 yeah. happens. A giant truck. A, gi- <laughs> a giant truck full of Go. danger phosphorus. Barreling <laughs> <laughs> at them. Oh god. Yeah, da- uh, a giant truck full of danger phosphorus tri- comes driving this uh, Strato V, but the judges just kind of get on their bikes and just like play it and like ride away. 
<laughs> and even though a bunch of fucking burning phosphorus is flying everywhere, they're like, yeah. oh, well, it's a good thing we've got this, like, yeah. then the, super great justice armor. Yeah, the, uh, the, the truck explodes and covers everybody in, uh, in Willie Pete, which are white phosphorus, which is a uh, deadly anti-personnel and defoliant agent, um, if you don't know your Vietnam stuff or whatever. Um, Similar to, say, a giant truck full of acid. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I feel like napalm is better because it's more of an actual fire as opposed to like the chemical burn of acid. But we're definitely seeing, we're definitely seeing some invasion undertones here. And of course, the greatest way to kill a Volgon base is to fill it full of uh, danger acid. <laughs> um, but anyhow. <laughs> between all of this uh, phosphorus and liberal use of stum gas. <laughs> um, which, which, you know, just stum gas may cause minor brain damage. I mean, it only kills one in every 250, buddy. Um, but it's this, right. this, and, but the conflict's finally over with my favorite, um, image of this month of progs, which is just a whole bunch of judges, uh, chilling out on a giant pile of citizens. Just <laughs> being like, ah, oh, we've, we've survived. Dead citizens. They could be unconscious, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> You know, they could also be yeah. sleeping, taking a big nap pile. Yeah, from the stum gas. But so, dread <laughs> the surviving, the survivors of these guys are sent off into the wastes. And Dredd addresses all of Shantytown, basically saying that he's condemning the whole place. Decent shanty folk will be sent to the nearly completed mega city food farms to help grow months for the city. Uh, um, like, small asterisk here, so long as they're not totally gross and irradiated, in which case they'll just be sent for treatment. Yeah, uh, and also pending a uh, pending a screening to see if they've got criminal um, tendencies and stuff. And if those guys do, then I guess we're just going to make them march across Yeah, just, the then they're just going to go to the wastes. There was a war, man. We can't feed everybody. Um, so anyhow... We're definitely not going to feed criminals. Yeah. I mean... I don't know, man. <laughs> like, no, they, dude, they definitely feels, they. This feels the most fair. They're like, we've got a food shortage. We're not going to feed you if you're just gonna be violent. I mean, they definitely. I mean, they're probably feeding their own criminals. But they're definitely not going to bring people back into the city just to put them in jail and take care of them. You know, hey, um, man, those. There's only so many ISO cubes now. So, lots of people head out to the wastes, but thousands of people head out in a mass migration to the farms, supported by airlifts of supplies from Mega City One. They're headed for a decent life, far from Shantytown, which is burned to the ground. Hooray for more months. Yay! Um, after this one, there's one more story. It's another Ron Smith one. Big Ron Smith month here in uh, early Jan or late January and February. Um, Hell yeah, man! We get some up nostril shots all over the place. Definitely, yeah. It's the so we we have another meeting of the mega criminals here. Um, Dan, <laughs> God, uh, guys. Danzo Prezel is tired of Judge Dredd, um, but. Um, it's, it's no good killing him if they want to get rid of Judge Dredd. You can't kill Judge Dredd. So instead they gotta force him to commit a crime and then he'll sentence himself to 20 years on Titan. This, this is possibly the best plan gone awry. It's pretty good. They basically, this group. they basically have a wanted murderer stand on the far end of a, on the opposite side of a one way street going the wrong way. Um, and like yell it and like make fun of Judge Dredd basically. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, oh, I'm a murderer, yeah, yeah. Hoping that dread will go will go the opposite direction down the one way street, the the wrong way down the runway street, and thus he will have done a traffic violation out and sentenced himself to jail. Instead, just dread just freaking shoots this dude right in the face, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. It's pretty so awesome. Great. So fucking <laughs> great. I love it's it's just the first two pages, all of which are in color, and it just <laughs> Just a bam! So, <laughs> it just gives so little space to him shooting this man through the face. It's pretty good. So, okay, Fox, look, finesse isn't working. All right, so when finesse doesn't work, you got to go in the exact opposite direction. And that just means you get a thousand goddamn homing missiles and shoot them and just dread all at once. Which, <laughs> while, while he's carrying right like so i guess like if okay so i'm judge right and i'm like oh homing missiles all right well i gotta get this person to jail so i'm gonna shoot these homing missiles oh there's a lot more okay we're gonna ride this bike okay now i'm gonna keep shooting these okay well there's now even more coming okay so i'm gonna drive down this highway okay yeah i'm gonna keep shooting these missiles okay now i'm gonna call it in and say like hey there's a bunch I'm going to drive into this building. Yeah, well, he drives into the eye block, which is heavily, you know, so heavily armored and, like, protected that not even, um, not even, like, a you know, barely a nuke could take it. You know, it's so heavily protected that to kill somebody inside of it, those those mo- other mob guys had to hire those Gila-Munga crab mutants to uh, oh, to God, kill somebody. Right. You know? It's, it's, it's heavily oh, armored. With their weird crab claws. Yeah. So there's just a ton of missiles hitting hitting to this hitting this block, no effect. And Dredd's like, "Hey, mind if I hang out here for a little while?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> cool, man. You want some water? Yeah, like okay. Yeah, blown up missiles is is a tired is a tiring work. So okay, so these missiles didn't work. All right, god dang. What's our what's the final plan? Answer: Spons, Sp- spontaneous <laughs> confessors, um, oh, people who so great. just c- confess to crimes. That they've done or haven't done or whatever a whole mass of them swarm dread and even if they don't hurt them and even if they don't haven't even like committed the crimes they're still confessing to him and that means that he's got to do paperwork and he's gonna be bogged down with paperwork for the next 20 years from all these guys basically <laughs> oh man this is real annoying and i've got work to do so you know what like i and, already know this shit's going on yeah <laughs> it's not quite canonical yet but judge dread hates doing paperwork i think we all can all sympathize with that um <laughs> likes doing paperwork i don't know um but so dread's had enough he busts into the meeting of the mega criminals and says basically like hey like i know you guys meet to plan the perfect crime whatever that's just how it goes but now you're like messing with my day and making me do paperwork (laughs) and that dog won't hunt all right so listen, I got these robots, lawful or not, to paint yellow lines where your cars. Well, no, yeah, he's just done an emergency changing of the traffic lanes, and suddenly all these mobsters are parked illegally, and so they got to go to the ISO cubes for a couple of months. Oh man, it's real great. They're just all chilling on each other, but guess what? Meanwhile, they're working on the perfect escape. Ha <laughs> ha! Take that, mega criminals. This is a, this is just a great. I I love this one as a one off. Just these uh you know the the one off mega criminals stories are always really funny. They're they're just so stupid. And I all the it. and all this month has really allowed Ron Smith to just draw the craziest dudes in all ways. You know, like every Up make nostril shot. Yeah. 
every make, model, and nostril of dude Ron Smith has drawn this this four prog <laughs> section. We are going to explore the inside of their darkened nose. I mean, you know, up nostril shots are a pretty big comic book uh, tradition, if you ask me. <laughs> well, hey, man, that's how you know someone's gross, when you can see up their nostril. It's true. And, man, speaking of things that are gross, Fox, it's... Oh, boy. <laughs> Non-thrills, covers, nerve center, and pop culture robots. Ew. <laughs> ah, so... Prague 301, Fort Nero gets disco fever as Rogue and a scan-based dancing queen get down in a cover not unlike the Saturday Night Fever poster. It's pretty great. It's tight pants, blue skin, and Italian blonde ladies? Nah, nah, Scandinavians, like Norwegian or something, Swedish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the uh, red jumpsuit. So, um, only a half size nerve center this week. The other right. half is an ad for an Air Aces booklet appearing this week Ew. in battle. <laughs> um, a writer named John McGarth claims, tries to claim anag- anagram kinship with Tharg. Fair enough. Um, All right. And then a writer named Luke King rates the stories of 1982, including Block Mania. And man, that was a 1981 story. Dude, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for more information, see Space Spinner 2000. It's true. Mid-Prog, there's a massive uh, basic program that gives translations to various Beetlejuicean terms. <sighs> Good lord. Like, it's like three uh, columns. So it's much. gigantic. There's also an so ad for stamp collecting there. on there, of course. Well, <laughs> um, God there's, forbid. There's also another page of the Micro Prog, this time with the first page of Invasion and some sweet Aeroball action. Remember, starting at 300, they started giving us basically every week um, one, you know, basically four pages of the first 2000 AD Prog. Um like sort of you know split over the course of a couple different of of a couple weeks basically so you could put together I really wish I could read any of this it's real tiny um, but i guess if you put it all together you you would in fact have a uh, one quarter sized copy of prog 1 um, hey why not if you're a mouse you could read the comic that's right. Uh, Prog 302. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I should say, um, sorry. Also, at the end of 301, there's a pinup of the Ace Trucking Gang drinking Mac Mac and eating bugs. Hey, man, there's only one way to eat bugs and drink Mac Mac, and that's with uh, your old buddies Ace Garp and GBH. And uh, Feek the Freak oh, and that big right. rat. <laughs> So, Prog 302, hee-hee! Actually, speaking of hee-hee, I suppose, Alan Davis draws a pretty classic 100% twist Harry 20 cover with uh, old Ben taking his face off. <laughs> He's an android! Yeah. Nerve Center once again takes up half the, uh, or sorry, the Air Aces once again takes up half the Nerve Center inside. One writer says that handwriting can't show gender, thank you very much. And then... That's right. William Archer gets a Quill Trothargo for collecting a complete set of 2000 AD up to that point. That's awesome. Yeah, it's mid- actually pretty difficult. I mean, you know, it's a, like 302 progs at that point. It's a lot. Um, Mid-prog, we just get the another uh, uh, micro page, this time with the Volgans invading and the start of the Harlem Heroes, end of the, of the first Mach 1. Uh, That's like nearly 900 pounds or some shit like that. Like in price? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I forget how much it is. It's like 3,000, like a complete set is like 2,500. So what, it's whatever 15% of that is, basically. <laughs> no, I just mean, like, if you had bought it up to that point, like taking the oh, yeah. of what the progs are, like, that's like near 900 pounds. Maybe. Over, I mean, over the, now, well, okay. no, because like, now it's 18 it be nice. and it started at like nine pence. You know what I mean? So, like. All right. All right. So we'll say. We'll say one and a half, right? 450 Ooh. pounds. That's fair. I, I'm not going to do the math live as we tape this. That's fine. <laughs> um, Prog 303, the time is out of joint. As Eric Bradbury gets Shakespearean in a rare time twister cover. Um, in the nerve, cool. Yeah, in the nerve center, Thargy Everett, which I don't get, um, says we're halfway yeah. through the micro prog. Letters like to creepy owl thark. Yeah, I don't know. It's presumably some celebrity, but I looked up like all the Y names I could think of with Everett <laughs> as a last name. And I couldn't get anything. Um, <laughs> oh, um, letters declare Harry 20 the top thrill. And there's another that, mm. that, uh, compliments their school's housemaster, which I thought they only had in Harry Potter, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mid, <Wow. laughs> Mid Prog is a bunch of badges for other comics in the commercials. You can get like six uh, stickers, sticker badges for Roy of the Rovers, and one for Buster. That's like metallic. And the Micro Prog has more invasion of Mach One action. Hooray! Yeah, in three oh four, it's a whole lot of ships from pirate to giant space. Yeah, <sighs> what's going on here? Because. It's actually really gorgeous. Yeah. Like, who who did this cover? Oh, Ballardinelli, of course. Because um, I was saying, like, as I was showing a couple people when I was reading this, and they were like, that is fucking awesome. Yeah, like, it's neat, right? Yeah, it's Italian as fuck. Yeah. In the uh, in the nerve center, Tharg the Samurai lets us know the story behind the cover, which is be which is explained later in the uh, in the prog. And then readers complain about the abrupt end of Ace Trucking. Um, yeah. Mid-prog, we get the short story about the cover, which is basically like in the dimensional rift that the Bermuda Triangle leads to. Like, there's some aliens that have basically just taken all the ships that have gone through the Bermuda Triangle from all time and lashed them together to make one big super ship. (laughs) Oh, look at that. It's a story. Yeah, a little half page, or maybe actually quarter page text story, basically. Um, Yep. Microprog has Flesh and Mach 1, and then there's an action video page talking about the game Demon oh, Attack. Yeah. And it's got the first of the Circuit Smashers. There's a score for Atari Pac-Man and Space Invaders, and the Intellivision version of Lock and Chase. I'm not going to give exact numbers, but I did look up these the uh, high scores for these in, in like uh, Twin Galaxies. And mm. they, the score, the uh, Circuit Smasher scores are not that impressive in comparison, buddy. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, Shots I think, like, fired. I think the record, the record for, like, um, for Atari Pac Man is like 10 times the one that's listed here. Anyhow. Shit. <laughs> speaking of going back a little bit, but speaking of Dancing Queens, Fox. Aw, yeah. Yeah. Thrill for Rogue Trooper. You're a dancing marine. Beautiful, <laughs> not green, only 70. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I. Blue. Abadie, Abadie. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. 
<laughs> I, so, it's dance music. Kind it's of. fair. Yeah, fair enough. So script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Brett Ewins, letting robot Bill Nuttall. So Rogue prepares to get down with the Romeos and the Scans as Nort Sonic Cannons, Cannon rock Fort Neuro. I'm one of the coolest bad guys ever who has a bullet head and a fucking spyglass eye and a tube going into his mouth and mm-hmm. the fucking like breathing apparatus. God, he's just such a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, most people just sort of disregard it, but the Norts know that it's a signal to their various sleeper cells inside the fort to kill Rogue. But whatever! It's time and for the dance. <laughs> apparently the sleeper cells are hot babes. I mean, you gotta have, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from spy movies and television shows, it's that many spies are hot babes. There was just a freaking Jennifer Lawrence movie about this. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty good film. I guess that film. (laughs) I didn't see it, but whatever. Um, so Dancing Queen contest is presented by the ABC Warfare and ABBA Warfare units. Whoa. Scan Beauties Brit, Agnetha, and Ingrid list their likes and dislikes. Ag- Agnetha. And Rogue dances to Super Trooper. Please see the opening music for episode 58 of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, <laughs> shit. Abba. But the Romeos are getting jealous, so Rogue snags Bagman and prepares to head home. But Brit, who has won the Dancing Queen contest, claims one last dance with Rogue. But as she does, she reveals herself to be a Nort A. Agent with a micro blaster! Oh my god, she's got a micro blaster to your chest. What are you gonna do, bro? Well, in an action packed page with no less than 22 <laughs> panels on it. Um, I firmly enjoy what they did here. Bagman, because Rogue doesn't even have a gun or anything like that anymore. He lost Gunner way back in the Frank sector. So Bagman dispenses a micro mine and then Rogue dances Brit onto that mine, which explodes and then kills her. <laughs> oh god, and then everyone's just real shocked in a yeah. waft sort of way. Well, not only does it kill her, Fox, but it kills the mood of the disco. Oh, oh <laughs> that is the worst offense you it's could do. They're not pretty even good. about killing her. They're like, you killed the situation. Yeah. Uh, so Bagman is arrested and Rogue is forced to move on, now with no weapons or equipment. Oh, real bad situation. So we- Totally. So we go to uh, Prague 303 because Rogue takes 302 off. And he's mm-hmm. now, and now the, we sort of recap the head of the ROM camp taking Bagman and kicking Rogue out. The two Rogue runners uh, offer to help him, but they're too low on power to be effective. Rogue takes them to the robotic wor- uh, workshop, which is now a tanning salon slash hairdresser where he oh, charges them up. <laughs> but because he charges them up, this makes them magnetically charged and they're Soon, they just become big magnets, and they just suck up all of the, like, random pieces of metal and random junk from the hair salon. So now they're just covered in spikes. Hey, <laughs> um, that seems useful. Yeah, whatever. So they so they all get kicked out, finally, of the scan in the, ROM, in the ROM sectors. Rogue moves and sets up a base deep in the Fort Nero Chem Swamp, where he sends the, robe out, the robes out on recon missions to different camps. Rob S. Pierre returns with news that from the Frank sector, the Emperor has returned! What is the Emperor? Who is the Emperor? Why Je suis like Napoleon. Napoleon! Um, he's brought oh. his old guard too. What does it mean? It means the Nords are making a move. Let's head to Frank sector! 
So, I don't know if you know this, Fox, but there was a point where uh, Napo- where Napoleon was exiled to the island of Elba, which is like in the mm. southern Atlantic. And at one point, before he died, he basically came back to France for a brief period where, um, like, all the French, you know, all the people who had been kicked, who had been kicked out of power when Napoleon was deposed, came back into power, and Napoleon was emperor for a little bit, but then he got sort of kicked out again, basically. So yeah. This is what's happened again. Napoleon's returned. Aw, oh, snap. What's he going to do? Yeah. Who's going to be his friends? Uh, for more information on Napoleon returning from Elba, read the first quarter of The Count of Monte Cristo. Anyhow. Oh, <laughs> so Rogue Trooper goes to confront this Napoleon as we cut to the North base and confirm that he is, in fact, one of their dirty tricks. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're t- it's stooped to no lows. They're taking advantage lows. All lows. They're taking advantage of the Frank's particular insanity to take them down. Uh, you know what my favorite part of uh, of this neo Napoleon is? Mm. They just his always has his hand. <laughs> He's got a Pope mobile and his hands always inside of his coat. It's a good it's a good twofer. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's where so, you hide your super gun. Yeah. Rogue runs all night and manages to arrive in the Frank sector just in time to see the start of the Nord Betrayer. Betrayal. Napoleon is going to give a signal to attack. And so they've got to fight. But maybe these newly spiky Rogue Runners can cut them down to size? Oh. Stick sharp. Next time, stay sharp. God, I fucking <laughs> love that. <laughs> It's pretty silly. Oh man, fun, uh, good dancing stuff, and then just like weird French stuff going on. I'm I'm digging Fort Nero, buddy, a lot. I'm I'm getting into it, man. I definitely like that there is this change of pace nearly every single uh, prog, where it's like, all right, we're not sticking around this too much, but we're gonna get real silly with it. Fort Nero definitely feels like the silly rogue trooper. Yeah, absolutely. But That's speaking, all I yeah, speaking of speaking of things getting silly though, Fox, it's oh. <laughs> Thrill Five, Time Twisters, and Tharg the Mighty. We're finally to the part of the progs that is the best part of the progs. Oh my gosh! So we got a bunch of time twisters and then one uh, th- a Tharg story this wow. month, Fox. Um, so let's start with Revenge of the Guinea Pig. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, script robot uh, Alan Hebden, art robot Kim Raymond, loading robot Pete Knight. Yeah, so you know Alan Hebden, of course, our old friend from Meltdown Man, and oh, then. Hell uh, yeah. This is the first appearance by Kim Raymond as an artist. Um, he'll do a bunch of stuff for 2000 AD, but I think he'll really get big success by taking charge of doing a lot of Disney stuff out of the UK sort of in years to come. Um, I really love this story, Fox. It's one of my favorite time I, twisters. I fucking... We'll get into this later, but I fucking love this story. Yeah. So basically, um, it's a story where a bunch of Eastern Europeans prepare to test a time stop device on a convict. Uh, on a convict. Um, Once again, we have an evil dictator government doing a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good way to get like time stuff, whatever. Um, but so basically, it's a big theme in this these last four procs. Yeah. So they're gonna hit him with a thing. And it's um, going to make a minute feel like a week to them, basically. And but, they're going to use it for like their their 
tank brigades yeah. go to a place and no one's going to know until it's too late. Yeah, because blah, it, blah, blah. it basically lets you move super fast. I always think of this as being what um, as being from an episode of uh, DuckTales where yes. um, there were Beagle Boys that got this ability and stuff like that. Um, we move real fast, and just ama- and time is- and time it p- appears to stop essentially. So we put him in this special chamber. Can't really escape. It's going to seem like forever for him, but only uh, a few seconds for us. Yeah, it's going to be great. Instead, when the machine is activated, the man flashes away. He reappears a minute later outside of his locked room, and he's super old, like a big beard and stuff. Oh yeah, and let me tell you what I've got for you whippersnappers yeah it turned out that for him instead of a minute being a week it was actually 50 years whoa whoa but, how did he figure all this out well because he counted how fast it took a fly to flap its wings and it took like an hour for a fly to flap its wings and he was like oh my god like I'm, this is coming here for fifty years, yeah. Luckily, um, the uh, the door for his cell was an electromagnetic lock, which I guess because of electricity means that it's unlocked once every this is, this is hour or something. True. Yeah. So, but it just means that that the magnets are flashing on and off because you know alternating current and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so, at so you know, but be for him like that millisecond that it's unlocked is equivalent to, like, you know, an hour. So he's just able to just flip the door open and walk out, basically. Yep. Although, apparently, he times it to when the guards are blinking and shit. It's, like, weird. Whatever. <laughs> That's kind of, Yeah, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so he um, spends 50 years, like, wandering the Earth, basically, going through a time-stopped Earth. He can... I, I, I assume he's able to, like, to just walk on water, but he sees, like, a lightning bolt suspended in space that looks pretty dope. Um... And just a lot of other, like, you know, yeah, just 49 years of traveling, of of traveling through the, you know, as the loneliest man in existence, basically. Um, He lives a a full life of interesting details. But what does he do with that time, Conrad? Well, the final year, buddy, he's like, oh, I got to start enacting my revenge here. (laughs) He steals something from a military depot and plants it where the supreme leader is making a speech. And then he uses his abilities discovered that because his hands are moving <coughs> at, at incredible speed, he can shatter concrete like sand. Yeah, he just shovels his hand into concrete and just like, like <coughs> it's, it just falls out. Like, it's yeah. amazing. So, so basically manages, yeah, to, uh, to beaver his way around like all the supports of this building, essentially. And so as he finishes talking, there's a massive explosion coming from the uh, ruling from the hall of the ruling council of this country. And mm. then the science building begins to collapse in on itself. The revenge the of the guinea pig. Laughs. Yeah. It's, a, it's so awesome. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's just a really cool, like, using time travel to get a revenge sort of story. And I feel like that's a fun, a good, a good way to use time travel, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next one, uh, the Pioneer script about Alan Hebden, art about Jesus Redondo, letter about Steve Potter. This one's a little bit more mystical, I guess. Um, in- I I liked this one as well, where it, it 
it has like this really feel good feeling at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. In 1850, in the American West, uh, Josiah Barnes and his family are traveling to California to uh, via covered wagon. But their son's dying of fever, and they just need supplies and stuff. So Josiah heads out to find help. He suddenly comes across a paved road, a strange road, a.k.a. a paved highway. Oh, man, and the truck almost hits him. He's like, you're witchcraft. He ends up going to a nearby diner where a couple hoods are robbing the joint, despite the fact that they don't really have very much money at the diner. Yeah, um, like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. They turn their guns on Josiah, and he blows one of them away with a shotgun! Oh, hell yeah. And, like, helps nab the other one. Everyone's feeling real thankful. So what do they do? Hey, yeah. you know what? You, you've earned yourself a, a crisp, cool, delectable Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. The choice drink of all Space Spinner 2000 hosts. I mean, it's not, like, <laughs> soup. Like, you know. I like a Coke Light. <laughs> Coke light, that's European stuff. <laughs> Anyhow. You know you know you know, Conrad, did you know that Coke Light has less calories than a traditional Coca-Cola while still retaining the fresh, crisp, delicious beveragey flavor? Eh, I don't want I don't really like this joke because I'm not actually getting paid for it, you know. Well, that's um, pretty fair. <laughs> but they also Tell give they also give okay. They also give him some penicillin uh, 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 pills to take back to help with his son's fever. <laughs> it's like penicillin, penicillin. Um, so Josiah pays with a silver dollar and then heads back to the wagon where the pills do, in fact, um, help the kid's fever. And everybody loves the cool taste of Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet nectar. I I, I just want to mention like he he's like no listen. I helped you guys out, sure, but I always pay my debts. You guys are helping me out with this medicine. He gave me this nice, cool, refreshing cola. <laughs> Not descript cola. Yeah, so, but th things are going good. Uh, meanwhile, back in the present, the hoods are taken away, and uh, the cop says that the silver piece is actually a 1940, an 1847, I should say, silver dollar, one of the rarest coins in the world. Turns out, like, this asshole cop is apparently some kind of coin collector. I mean, yeah. I could look at one of those and I'd be like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah, not actually, though. I, I looked it up and it's not one of the most expensive silver dollars, or at least not in the top <laughs> ten. Um, I mean, you know, but if it was in decent condition, it could be worth a couple hundred bucks at least. But anyhow... Man, that's worth some penicillin. Yeah. One way or another, the diner is saved. Hooray! Oh, and like when um, when Josiah and his family try to refine the road, it's gone because it was a mystical confluence time travel kind of thing. That's all right. They'll establish a homestead somewhere. Uh, you know, so yeah, okay. So it's all the end. Uh, Conrad, this is one of those, like, I can't remember a, a future shock or one of these shorts where it's like, Kind of ends on a feel-good note where it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, like a like a science fiction-y thing happened that's kind of, um, you know, we we always liken these to like Twilight Zone, and this definitely feels Twilight Zone-y, but it's mm -hmm. one of those that's like, oh, like, that was nice. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. Bam, bam, bam! <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, oh, 
Thanks, man. Doing my best. Um, next, <laughs> next time we so so next we have uh, Doctor Dale's Diary, script uh-huh. robot Alan Grant, art robot Baluda, letting robot Peter Knight. So this is also the first 2008 work by Baluda here in this Prague. Cool. Um, he's he'll do a bunch of cool Rogue Trooper stuff, including in the in the upcoming uh, sci-fi special that we'll be covering in a couple weeks. He likes a fat dinosaurus. It's yeah, he does kind of draw an overweight dinosaur. It's true. Um, but this is basically kind of your standard time twister slash future shock. Um, I liked it. Yeah, Thark. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's like yeah, it's a standard sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Uh, Tharg has found a human skeleton in dinosaur times. It turns out to be a scientist who is interested in why dinosaurs died out and has built a time machine to figure it out. Despite the uh, objections. Just- <laughs> Just to just to mention, this time machine is like uh, an umbrella tied to a circle. I feel like it's very H.G. Wells kind of time machine. Honestly, that's sort of yeah. his basic design. But yeah, it, he's done it despite the objections of one of my favorite 2000 AD characters, the henpecking wife, <laughs> who doesn't want him to go to the past because she's got the flu. Um, like, come on, man! Aren't you going to take care of me? Like something? No, he wants to go to the past, man. He's going now. Um, <laughs> he couldn't just like wait on it. Yeah. No. So he goes to the past, and while he's there, he finds out that he's caught his wife's flu, and oh, he well. uh, sneezes and gives the flu to all the dinosaurs, which kills them instantly. He's the one who killed the dinosaurs. Oh God, I I do like. Uh, there's like this throwback to where. Um, He's talking about like, oh, you know, I've explored all the things that could have killed it, uh, killed dinosaurs, like a, a meteor or yeah. this giant like um, uh, deadly cosmic rays thing, or even potentially cowboys that harvested all the dinosaurs for their delicious meat. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know what it is, so I go back in time. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty always, always, always the right time for a flesh reference for sure. And I also, this killing all the dinosaurs with a sneeze, which happened in the which would happen in the Simpsons about uh, fifteen years after this. Um, oh, look at what the Simpsons didn't do! No oh, dip, yeah. So a uh, a dying fluful brontosaurus falls on the time machine, sending it and the machine back to the present. And Doctor Dale dies in the death-filled past. He's now solved two of the world's greatest mysteries, Fox. <laughs> One of the world's greatest mysteries is why the dinosaurs died out. The second is why a brontosaurus corpse suddenly appeared out of random on a suburban street somewhere. Is that a thing? Because I feel like that's not a thing. It's not, but this guy did definitely accidentally kill his wife. Bam, bam, bam! <laughs> Fair. It's getting grim with these uh, with these air horns this week. Oh, God. <laughs> that takes us to the final time twister, Shakespeare. Uh, script robot Chris Louder's Jack Adrian. Art robot Eric Bradbury. Letter robot Pete Knight. So, big question, Fox. Really good one. Yeah. Who wrote the plays of Shakespeare, huh? Was it Sir Francis Bacon? Christopher Marlowe? Queen Elizabeth? (laughs) Maybe it it was Sir Francis Bacon confirmed? (laughs) Maybe it was like that fucking Shakespeare guy? That's stupid, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. The actual answer is no, it was written by this future dude named D.H. Rosencrantz, buddy. (laughs) 
Um, he's the future's number one Shakespeare scholar. So, when he heard about the development of a time machine, he ran over, coshed the inventor of the thing upside the head. Yeah, just straight up blackjacked him. <laughs> yeah. And then he traveled back to the 16th century to meet his idol, Shakespeare, or whoever was ends up being Shakespeare. But it turns out that there ain't no Shakespeare back then. Well, fuck, we can't have a world without Shakespeare, bro. Yeah, man, so he does what the only thing he can do, which is basically, I guess, just kind of live back in time there for like a, a decade or two, writing all the Shakespeare's plays, sonnets, and God knows what else, you know? Mm-hmm. A will where he wills his wife his second best bed in what is apparently one of the most ancient burns of all time. Um, <laughs> I mean, that that's true. I mean... <laughs> Luckily, he knows all of Shakespeare's pl output by heart, so it's pretty easy to do. Just once you uh, switch all the S's for F's because of old-timey writing purposes. Um, but... Now that he's back in the present, he's kind of got a, uh, he's kind of having a th weird thing that he's working out. Yeah, he's got like an existential situation. On yeah, him. because if he wrote all of Shakespeare's plays from memory, mm -hmm. and that's how he knew them to memorize them in the present, then who wrote them in the first place? Where'd they come from? Time is out of joint! <laughs> bah, bah, bah! <laughs> <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Man, I already said that, buddy. I know. <laughs> and that's not this Rosencrantz guy. He was he was in a previous one, right, where he visited himself. Whoa, I don't remember. Possible wasn't that wasn't that the one where it's like the old guy's in the chair. He's about to invent time travel. No, that was just he himself comes in. and yeah. he's like bro. I feel like that was just another, like, you know, there's this one, like, a uh, type of two that, like, along with the hen pecking wife in her house gown and, uh, curlers, there's also this kind of, like, kind of overweight mustachioed scientist guy that shows up throughout these time twisters and future shocks, you know? But That's I think it was, a, I, th I think it was a different person. All right. Anyhow. Yeah, let's move on to yeah. the thing that I don't want to talk about. All right. Final story of the episode. Tharg and the Mice. Art Robot Colors is scary. Letting Robot Jack Potter. So, Fox, in the dimension Theta-33, the planet yeah. Gree Air is made entirely out of cheese and is yeah. infested by Earth mice. What's the yeah. deal? Oh, <laughs> uh, God, guess we better check it out with these robots and shit. Yeah, well, you cut to a few weeks later. Uh, in one, Actually, what I think is one of the funniest parts of this prog. Um, yes. Mick McMahon's like, someone's been chewing on my artwork. Tom, it was you. And he just like starts attacking the Tom, like the Mick McMahon bot starts attacking the Tom Frame droid. Because apparently, like, he accuses Tom Frame of having eaten parts of his artwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like just the fact that he's so quick to jump to attack frame about it, I thought was really hilarious. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. But anyhow, clearly it's just that this office is full of dang mice and like they're eating everything. Yep. Um, so the whole place is infested. I can only assume this actually happened at the 2080 offices in King's Reach Tower. Like there was just an ass load of mice for one period. I gotta. <laughs> ass load of mice. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that's okay. My favorite amount. No, no, a no, whole bunch of mice. of mice. No, man, that's the worst <laughs> amount. <laughs> Naslo, that's way too many. Um, 
definitely an uncomfortable amount. Yeah. So Bert sets traps and things get rough when one of the one of the traps catches Tharg's finger. Um, Not good. Yeah. The mighty one demands to speak to the head the head mouse and like tries to broker a deal for peaceful coexistence. But the uh, the mice quickly break that deal and we get a picture. I think of the Ascarabot in here too is wearing like a funnel for the hat. But I know that mustache mm. anywhere. Um, mm. <laughs> um, people buying progs are also starting to find like mouse droppings and actual mice in the progs. Um, there's nothing else to be done. Tharg pulls out his flute and Pied Pipers his way through a dimensional door yeah. to the planet yeah. Gruyere where the mice now live to this day and hopefully no more progs get chewed. And that's it for that story. Eventually what's off screen is that the mice eat the entire planet. It's offspring at the very least. There's actually a, a crisis because uh, they're eating up all those natural resources. That cheese doesn't just naturally occur. Uh, one side is saying that, nah, man, there's a limitless supply of cheese down in the core of the, of the cheese planet. And the other side saying like, Hey man, uh, global cheese warming is going on and eventually no one cares and they just eat the entire planet and the uh, species goes extinct. Hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a climate cheese denialist myself, I must say. <laughs> you know, I just don't think that mice have that much effect on the plant's cheese supply, you know? And honestly, when you think about it, like the cow, political commentary, the cows are probably eating way more cheese than any human could do, like or a oh. mouse could do. Honestly, like I just mean, think about it. Do you know how? Do you know how much? Uh, how much gaseous cheese is poured into the atmosphere by volcanoes every year? I mean, really, <laughs> our, our footprint on uh, on cheese-based Ch- whatever cheddar footprint. <laughs> cheddar footprint is, is ridiculously low uh, versus what the planet actually, you know, contributes to uh, whatever. See, yeah. look at this. Plus, it's- like, <laughs> doubting, plus, like, putting up these, like, thousand-year uh, cheese models is a front to, uh, to our Lord Jesus, who made the planet, you know? <laughs> All right, it's not. It's all right. This is the last oh. episode because I'm not. I'm not going to do better than that. I feel like. Oh no! That, that I think. That I think was uh, was top wit. Oh. Any, so with that, oh. let's quit while we're ahead. And we finished the thrills for this oh. uh, for Progs three hundred one to three hundred four, buddy. Oh yeah. So it was, uh, it was thing happened. So seriously oh. though, what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? Uh, okay, so straight up, not being contrarian, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to tell you right now for the, for the first time in quite a while, it wasn't Harry on the High Rock. Um, so Harry on the High Rock, and uh, sorry. And uh, and Robo Hunter, and even uh, uh, which is a rare case for me, uh, Rogue Trooper. These are all on the same level as Judge Dredd. Fucking quality, mm. goddamn it, progs. But do you know what really stood out to me 
uh, What's that? for these four progs, buddy, is fucking Time Twisters. They were great. nice. They were they were fucking so goddamn great. Like they were nice, and the cowboy one, which wasn't technically a Time Twister, was super good. Now I happen to like the Tharg story, but that's completely tangential to the <laughs> garbage. Otherwise, <laughs> um, like. I, just they were really funny and to me uh, kind of crafty. Um, yeah, I agree with and, that. And 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 fucking like quality ass stories. It's really too bad, uh, given that they're not in their own collection where you can go and grab mm-hmm. them. But there's just so I, many uh, out I, there. I, you know, there's like like a thousand <laughs> goddamn time twisters and future shocks and stuff out there. You oh know? sure, I just like I I completely agree with you that you know. Uh, Revenge of the Guinea Pig really started out strong for me. Like I was, I was reading mm-hmm. through, <clears throat> thumbing through. Like uh, I think it it came immediately after Robo Hunter in the first prog that we read, and I was just like, oh god, time twister. All right, sitting down reading this, and I'm like, oh, 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 this is like this is kind of fun. And then mm-hmm. like the next prog, I was like, oh, this is this is kind of fun. And then there was another one, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a bad time reading any of them and uh that's kind of a first time for me in a while because there's there's been some future shocks that i've loved you know sort of sarcastically because yeah. they're like schlock but this wasn't schlock it was just like oh this is like it's like some good writing and some good art and cool. just overall some quality so i really will say that that was the top for for nice. bottom <clears throat> man i don't know uh it's definitely not harry and the high rock that shit was great mm-hmm. um I guess, you know, I'll... Oof, this is rough. It's not Dread. Dread's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll give it to RoboHunter this, this, uh, okay. this, this episode. And, and like, only, only in that, like, I kind of wa- would have liked to have seen Kid uh, be the protagonist as a weird twist. <laughs> uh, you know, making the spy guy, the guy who's evil... You know, whatever. I, none of it was bad, though. It was good, and it was great. Yeah. And it's great writing. It's it's bad by the fact that I have to choose one, and not bad by the fact yeah. that it's bad. I mean, I'm saying, okay. you know, I'm I'm moving towards top and bottom terminology at at at, at this point, um, just because like oh, best and standard, best and worst and like good and bad are tough yeah. in this area where where everything's real good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, and I it's mean, just like, uh, I, yeah, it's it's just a matter of, of of sort of how you pile them together, as opposed to like, well, this is real crappy. You know what I mean? Sure, I, yeah. I see it as recommendations for if you're reading along, you're going through your old progs, and you're like, ah, nostalgia trip. I I just say this is like a pay special attention to this. This is probably one, and then bottom being like, ah, you could probably thumb through it and still get the general premise, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Um, Pay, pay more attention to the other things than necessarily Robo Hunter. You'll get it just by looking at the pictures. But also, like, do read Robo Hunter because the, <laughs> the music is pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. So, how about you, Conrad? What's what's your tippity top and biddity bottom? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you for my biddity bottom and say that it's a ro it's a Robo Hunter. Um, yeah, you know, it's fine, but um. You know, I, I feel like some of the songs didn't quite work, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's fun, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's really blowing me away at this point, just because, like, the first couple times we had the songs, it was really like, whoa, this is amazing. And now it's like, okay, like, this has been going yeah. on for a little while, you know? <laughs> 
I, like as I'm as I mentioned at the top of this, I'm like it's a good appetizer. It's yeah, that's true. Enough to get you into the rest of the things, but it's right now it's generally forgettable. It's like the rest of what's going on is real engaging, and this is like all right, like yeah. I get it. That's, that makes sense. Yeah, let's move on. And then for my top, I'm gonna say Judge Dredd, man. Um, fucking good choice. I really like Judge Dredd this month. Um, the shanty town stuff I thought was really great. Um, just the opening where it's like this montage of them just like arresting everybody and stuff. I could really see if this is like a, a TV show. Just all the judges like rounding people up to kind of like a fun <laughs> music, but also like it also being like, all right, get out there, you know, <laughs> like that just feel like a really like a weirdly just like light-hearted dread moment almost which are which is, is pretty rare honestly yeah um, and then like them being like besieged and having to like fight the huge masses of um of like townsfolk and just ron smith go, going real crazy drawing everybody and stuff like that um yeah, just the combination of the art and all that action was really cool and then i love when the when the when the mecha criminals do stuff you know and just um like the way the way they did their crimes this month and the way they tried to take down dread and then the way that dread fought them back was really great where first it's like all right we're gonna trick them and be real finesseful and then that didn't work and it's like screw it we're just gonna fire a thousand literally a thousand <laughs> missiles at him you know um that's good stuff you know what i mean <laughs> strong agree it was super fun this month man yeah <clears throat> totally i feel like we're going real strong into 83 i'm real you know again this is our second 83 episode i'm real excited for how we're gonna go forward um especially next well we'll talk about it anyhow i hope everybody enjoyed the show as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play store or on our podcast site at space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter we're at space spinner 2k for everything else just look up space spinner 2000 and we should be there and come back next time as we reach the thrilling conclusion of Harry 20. Fort, Fort Nero rolls on. Sam Slade goes to camp. And a trio of aliens arrive in town. Great spotted thrill suckers will threaten Tharg. The trapper hag will come to Mega City 1 looking for bounties. And... An interpreter named Zickles will arrive in the Midlands of England. Flippin' Eck! What the uh -huh. What are you talking about? You'll see, buddy. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendig Splendid Berthrig! Berthrig. Praise Jesus! <laughs> <laughs>